0: Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this, neither did I, and I know it feels like you've lost so much, but I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here, and there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine. And oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness type quiz over at plus1parents.org. I went to college in this tiny college town where a majority of the population of the town was students. And this was the kind of a place where there were agricultural fields around this particular town. And we actually even had a farm farm on campus. We had cows on campus. We actually had dorms that were right next to the cows on campus. So these particular dorms were known for not smelling so great. Now I had the opportunity to actually live in some dorms that were off campus, that were away from the cows. But because of this, I relied heavily on taking the university bus that was run by students to get to class. And so because there were a lot of freshmen living in this one particular area, the buses ran really regularly every 10 minutes. But sophomore year, I moved off campus into an apartment. And in this particular area of town, the buses ran way less frequently, like every 20, 25, 30 minutes. And so that meant you could be standing at the bus stop for a little while and not even be sure if your bus was actually going to make it. You know, sometimes the buses would break down or students would call out and there wouldn't be a driver. And you wouldn't know if your bus was going to make it there until it was too late. And so one particular day, I had a major exam. And so I got to the stop really early and I was waiting. And a couple of minutes passed, got to the time that the bus was supposed to be there and the bus hadn't shown up. I thought, okay, it's okay. A couple minutes is not a big deal. A couple more minutes passed and he had some students who thought they'd missed the bus, but were running to the stop and laughing, thinking, oh my goodness, we made it. No big deal. A couple minutes late happens sometimes. But as the time kept ticking down, <laughs> suddenly realized this bus is not coming. I have this major exam and this bus is not coming. And if there's going to be another one to come, it won't come for another 25 or 30 minutes. We'll all be way too late. So at this moment, a lot of students had amassed by this time at the bus stop, and we're all looking at each other wondering, what are we going to do? Now, I bring this story up because sometimes waiting on God feels like this. It feels like, is he going to show up or are we going to have to figure this thing out on our own? Now, I find the thing that is so difficult about waiting on God is the fact that it's not a yes and it's not a no. I think sometimes we feel like if I at least knew if it was one or the other, then I could process it, deal with it, and maybe move on. But when we're waiting, we sometimes aren't even sure what we're waiting for or what the outcome is going to be. And perhaps even if you have a, a dream or a vision or a word or something that you've received from God, that you may have a sense of something coming, don't always know how long that's going to be. We don't always know how long that we're going to be continuing to pray and to wait and to live and to to just be in this same circumstance or be in this same space before something shifts. You know, and everybody has an experience of waiting on God, but certainly being single moms, this is something that is very central to the experience. It's something that we rely on God for a lot. And So because we are so reliant on him, that means we end up waiting a lot on what he's going to do and his timing when it comes to the circumstances of our lives. You know, whether it's a new home in a new neighborhood— You know, whether it's maybe a a godly partner or a mended relationship, perhaps even with one of your kids, maybe it's a change in a financial situation or an emotional breakthrough. You know, there's just all of these things that we are waiting for God to intervene in our circumstances. And, you know, it's not wrong for us to desire him to change circumstances. The Bible tells us that we can pray about those things. He invites us to. He wants us to invite him to step into our lives and to to do what he would do in those circumstances. And obviously, we know this is something that he is sometimes even very intentionally and specifically inviting us into based on the revelations that we might have in our own prayer life with him. But when a lot of time passes and we don't see the fruit, we don't see even an inclination that anything is going to change, the worry starts to set in. That's where we start asking the questions. Did God really say? Did I really hear that? You know, is this really what he wants? You know, I thought that's what he said. Maybe it was me. You know, maybe I need to do something. Or maybe I blew it already. Maybe it's just too late. You know, and I am right there with you with this all. And I know that you and I already know we can't put all of our weight into circumstances. But the fact of the matter is, this is part of our lives. And I wrestle with this too. But there is something that God showed me recently in scripture that really shifted the way that I think about what he is doing while I'm waiting. And this subtle shift really taught me how to wait on him and have hope in the circumstances. Hope enough to be able to say, God is not done yet. And I'd like to take you into One of the books in the old testament one of the books in the very back little books that we often don't read from and it's from the book of the prophet habakkuk now i just like to say habakkuk (laughs) i just like right off the bat i just think it's fun to say his name but this is a fascinating little book it's short it's only three little chapters but there's a lot in these three little chapters that we can see about waiting on god and our experience buried right there in scripture So if we look at this book of Habakkuk, at the very beginning, this prophet is complaining to God. He's seeing his nation crushed over and over by these enemy nations. And he's wondering, when is this all going to end? So the very beginning of this book, Habakkuk cries out to God. And he says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. And I don't know if you have ever prayed like that. I certainly have. But there was a time when I was too afraid to talk to God like this. And I love that this is in the Bible because Habakkuk is giving us the invitation to step into that very honest, very raw, very real place with God. And it's in this invitation that God responds to Habakkuk. And we see the very first thing in God's response that can help us in our seasons of waiting. And the first thing that we see here is that God is already at work, and what he's doing is bigger than what you and I think. God's response to Habakkuk is, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't even believe if someone had told you about it. So God's response here is, I am doing something in your own day something you wouldn't believe if somebody told you. Now, the trouble for us with waiting very often is we have these negative experiences in our human lives. You know, if you've ever been to a doctor's office or a DMV, you know, where you were waiting in line for your turn, often our experience with waiting is determined by how hard we think the person that we're waiting for is working to get to us. You know, it might be a busy office, but if you perceive that the people who are in that office are working really hard and working really diligently, then it's easier to wait. But if it seems like you're at the DMV in Zootopia and you've got the sloth that's behind the counter, you kind of feel like, um, could we just, you know, I could just go back there myself and do this for you and we could be all done and wrapped up here. And sometimes we start to feel that way with God. You know, sometimes we're not sure. What he's really up to, what he's doing. You know, we're not sure where we are in the queue and, and when when our turn is gonna come up. But God says in this verse to Habakkuk, have a look around. I'm already doing something. I'm already working in your midst. I'm already, I've already been putting the pieces together. So where we have this anxiety about whether or not God is working, God is telling us very distinctly, yes, I am. And the thing I want to even go one further here is the fact that when you think about. Divine appointments. When you think about people meeting, two people even being at the same place at the same time, even if you go to a grocery store and you see a friend there, all of the things that have to fall into place in order for that to happen is incredible. You know, and it's not just, well, we happen to think to go to the grocery store at the same time. And it's not even, well, we woke up at roughly similar times and had roughly similar things going on in our morning that we hold these routines and that we would end up being at the same place at the same time. This goes back to generations and generations and generations of people meeting and falling in love and getting married and being born all the way down to you and then you waking up that day that person waking up that day and showing up at the same place at the same time. There are way too many things that have to be set in motion even before you and I were born for a very small moment like that to even occur. And so we can know God has had things in the works since before you and I ever set foot on this planet. And so whatever it is that we are waiting for God to do or asking God to do, or maybe he's told us that he's going to do, the steps that it takes to get to the moment where that's completed, have had to be set in motion so long ago. And so that is how we can know in this when God says, I am working, that it's true. And that we can look around and start to see where can we see those fingerprints of him working. You know, and that's also how we can see when God says what I'm doing, somebody would tell you and you wouldn't believe it. That's true. (laughs) You know, we think about if God would tell us even all of the things that had to fall into place in order for us to be at the grocery store at the same time as someone. We wouldn't believe it, you know? So these things are more detailed. They're more intricate. They're more involved than we can ever imagine. And God is saying, I'm already doing it. God is already at work. And what he's doing is bigger than what you think. So the dialogue between God and Habakkuk continues. And Habakkuk comes back to God and says, okay, I hear you. But you're good. And what's going on around us right now is not good. So how long is it going to go on like this? Why is this continuing to persist? And in what God says next, we see the second principle that can help us in our seasons of waiting, and it's this. God has a plan, but you won't get to see all of it in advance. God says to Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. So what he's saying here is, I'm going to give you a vision, write it down, and in such a way that it can be passed on. It can be passed on from a messenger to another messenger. Now, when it comes to the plans in our own lives, this makes me think of when I was first out of college, I was a designer, and I worked on remodeling projects in kitchens and baths. And so a lot of times when we had clients, we would show them certain blueprints, we'd show them certain plans that had to do with where cabinets were going to get put and how tile was going to get laid out, you know, all the really exciting, pretty things that we like to see when we're watching like fixer upper, But There are some drawings and some plans that we didn't share with them because they would just be too confused if we saw them. You know, these were the construction details, the things that really didn't have anything to do with their part. They weren't things they had to sign off on or approve. You know, this was more for the construction team. And the times that we did end up showing these documents to the client, or if they happened to discover them, One of two things would happen. Often they'd be so confused and sometimes that would make them a little bit more frustrated or a little bit more anxious about what was happening. Or it would cause them to step more into the process in a space where they didn't really have the expertise and kind of started butting heads with some of the construction crew or the contractors and maybe trying to dictate and detail out more of what the work should be done. Likewise, in our own lives, God has a plan for us. And sometimes he's going to let us in on what those plans are. Like I've said before, sometimes you're going to have a dream or you're going to have a word, something that's going to come forth that's really going to give you this inclination that, wow, God is up to something. And it could be this, but I'm not really sure. And sometimes we go chasing that vision. We're like, God, would you give me some more details? But the point is, God is saying, I'm giving you enough to invite you to partner with me, to keep your eyes open, that you'll move forward into those spaces where I am, might be calling you, but not to have so much information that you're going to run into something either before it's ready, before you're ready, or in a way that you're not supposed to be involved in. And he does this to teach us to to look and to watch and to trust, but not to overtake the whole thing. But what you do see or hear, this verse reminds us, go ahead, write that down. You know, I have things like this. I write in my journal and I pray over them. And I ask God to make more clear what his plans are and give me eyes to see what he's doing. But the fact is, we can know that with whatever he does reveal or whatever we are praying about, that God does have a plan, but he might not let us in on all of it. And there's a third key that can help us in our waiting that God reveals as he continues talking to Habakkuk. And this third key is that God's plans will be accomplished at the perfect time, and nothing can stop it. What God says to Habakkuk is, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait for it, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I want you to think about the last time that you baked something for your kids. For me, I usually will bake a birthday cake for my kids and decorate it in a special way. So I have a child who loves sushi. And so for this child's most recent birthday, I made a cake that looked like a sushi roll. And so as I'm baking this cake, though, there's multiple layers. And the, the kids are always coming around. Your kids do the same thing, I'm sure. They're always coming around and they're saying, like, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? And... I did the same thing to my mom, and my answer is the same as my mom's answer, and it is. It's done when it's done, right? None of us wants to eat half-done cake, (laughs) you know, that's gooey in the middle, and it's weird, and it's gross, and God's plans for us are the same. God's plans are the best when everything he's already set in motion comes together, melds together at just the right time in a way that is absolutely supernatural. And so even though these things are very slow in coming, and that can be painful for us, we can know that God does have a plan and that it will come to fruition at just the right time, that the timing for His plan is perfect, that it will come about at just the right time, and that it cannot be stopped. So from this, we see that there are three principles that can help us in our waiting. And we can understand that God is not done. We can see that God is already at work and that what he's doing is bigger than what we think. We can see that he has a plan, even though he might not tell us what it all is. And we can see that his plans will be accomplished at the absolute most perfect time, and they cannot be stopped. Now, I know in the middle of our waiting, in the middle of your waiting, Things can be extremely hard, extremely challenging, heartbreaking, and that it's nice to hear these things, but it's like, yeah, but how do I actually let this like sink in? Like I'm hearing it in my head, but I'm looking around at what's going on and I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm I'm having a hard time letting my heart believe this, letting my heart be open to God in this way, to trust him in this way. And if you're there, don't feel any shame about that. That's normal. All of us learning to trust God, especially in very difficult circumstances, have to confront these kinds of questions. And sometimes the issue is that our heart is afraid to step into what our head has already been told or can understand. And so some of this sometimes is trusting the process and actually living it out and letting our heart catch up with us. Have you ever looked around at your life and thought, is this really all there is? Plus One Parents is releasing a new paperback Bible study called Made for More, Life Beyond Hurt, Loss, and Heartbreak. Made for More is your personal guide through six biblical stories that address where is God in rejection, betrayal, loss, and abuse? Does God care about your fear and sadness and anxiety and frustration? And what can God do? to take back every last piece of your story, even the mistakes. Made for More releases April 21st, 2023. What you see around you right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. Now, there's something that we can learn from Habakkuk's response, actually, that can help us figure out how do we start taking steps towards this? You know, how do I start trusting God when I don't even really understand what he's up to or what is going on around me? And what Habakkuk shows us in taking this one intentional step is in the back of the book, in the last chapter, and it's to remember The last chapter of the book of Habakkuk is a song, and in it, Habakkuk is talking about all of the times where God came through in the past. He is talking about the times that God made promises and fulfilled them, and he's talking about God's character. He's reminding himself of where he has seen God show up in the past to give his heart the courage to step forward into God's process as it walks him towards the future. He actually even says when things look bad, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. You know, I want you to think back to that example of when you're baking something for your kids, for example. And, you know, they're they're pestering you and, you know, wanting to know when it's going to be done. And when my brother and I used to do this when we were kids, my mom would always do something like tell us to go outside. You know, she would give us a suggestion of a better way to spend the time to shift our focus. And she would say, you know, why don't you go out and play, enjoy your time, and then you'll get to come back and have the cookies, you know. And really, the whole point was for us to be focused right where we were at and not fixate so hard on the outcome. And that way we are able to be fully present in the moment and receive the blessing when the timing comes. You know, the times I've been, the unhappiest in my life when I've been in these seasons of waiting is when I have stayed in the complaining place and stayed in the stuck place and just complained to God over and over and over, hey, I when are you going to show up? You know, what's going on here? And God is so kind, though, that he allowed me, kind of like we let our kids just sort of like run themselves out. He allowed me to eventually just get so tired of it that I would turn to him and say, all right, help me see this your way. Help me do this your way. And in starting to shift my focus off of what I was waiting for and onto him, he would remind me of the times where he showed up in the past and the times where... Things looked like they weren't going to go my way, and they did. Or times where it just was like things supernaturally came together. And he reminded me that he is that same God. And that gave me the ability then to look at my present and see those same fingerprints. See those times at the grocery store not as just a weird coincidence, but as like, wow, that was a neat moment of God intervening and bringing two people together, even if just to have a friendly hello. You know, And so then seeing what he's doing in the present moment gives me the confidence and the courage to look at the future and go, okay, God's there too. He's prepping me now and giving me this strength by watching his goodness unfold around me to get ready for what is coming in the future. Because even though I think I'm ready right now, I might not be, right? And so It's in that that we find the gratitude, that we find the strength, we find the courage in learning to see him be in the present and wait on him instead of waiting on our circumstances. And this is why the Bible then can say in Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's why Habakkuk says that the sovereign Lord is my strength. Because when we know that he hears us and we can see his goodness unfolding around us, then we have the ability to trust him in the things that we don't yet see. You know, and there's different ways to shift our focus and to get our mind into the present moment and off of the things that we're worried about. In our new study made for more that comes out this week, we do have an exercise where you can do this. But, you know, there's things out there you might already do. You know, If you've got a, a journal and you do a gratitude journal, it's just stopping and taking the moment not even to just look at the thing I'm thankful for, but think about the steps that it took for that thing to be in your life. Think about your kids being in your life and all of the circumstances that God put together for that to happen. You know, It's seeing the intricacy of his work that gives us an appreciation for the time it takes for things to unfold. And because the timing is slow, we do have to remind ourselves often, and that can sometimes be a little bit of work. But In it, we can confidently know that God has a plan, that He's already working, that it's gonna come together at just the right time and that He is not done yet. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved.